Um, today is October 16th, 2016. I'm at the Austin Archives Bazaar in San Grande Hall in Austin, Texas. This is Erica Lees, and I'm with John... Anderson. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Um, so tell me how you moved to Austin. Well, I grew up in South Dakota, and uh, I already knew uh, many people. There was a <clears throat> kind of a semi-mass migration of people uh, to Austin from the Dakotas, and partly because it was uh, uh, kind of a stopping off place for Mexico, to and from Mexico. Uh, but I grew up in a small university town, and <clears throat> my dad worked at the university, so from the time I was young, I had heard about Austin and had classmates who had lived here growing up when their parents were, you know, going to school or whatever. And um, so in the 1970s, um, after getting my undergraduate degree, I uh, was <laughs> trying to be a working class hero and was being a welder and a iron worker and with a little bit of money in my pocket. Uh, my buddies and I were gonna throw a big keg party um, for the 4th of July in 1974 and uh, we thought we were gonna be real big shots amongst the local you know hippie community and but then we started talking and nobody was gonna be in town everybody was gonna be at Willie Nelson's picnic in Austin or Dripping Springs Spicewood wherever it was so that really got me thinking about moving to Austin and about a year later um, <clears throat> my girlfriend and I visited some friends that had already moved here and then a year later um, in 1978 we both moved here with our cat and found a little room on Avenue C and uh, I continued working as a iron worker but after the first partway into the first brutal summer of, of uh, being a welder and an iron worker in the Texas heat, I decided maybe I'd go back to my, um, go back to my previous employment of, of working in libraries, which I had done basically since I was in junior high, though I didn't have a library degree or anything like that. Um, and I also fancied that I was going to be a writer so I wanted to collect a lot of interesting stories, interesting material to write about. So um, I really didn't get want to get tied down to a regular eight to five job at a library. Um, I was applying as a night clerk at a very at seedy motels and uh, looking to get a job as a bellhop at, at the downtown hotels and so places you could get good stories. Some places I could get good stories and and also just kind of. Fighting, fighting, fighting any inclination towards traditional success, <laughs> I guess. And I, one job I had was, uh, well, I did. I worked on some property maintenance for a really <clears throat> my landlord, who was a really raging drunk guy, but pretty nice. And uh, I remember taking care of his horses, which was right off of Brody Lane, which you'd never imagine now that there was a little horse ranch there but um, one job I had was was working at night at a warehouse for a, what was a popular clothing chain back then house of jeans and I had applied at the state library 
a couple times. Uh, I applied at the records management division, and the man there, Ken Hensley, uh, he was a big man, and he looked at my resume and saw that I had a college education, and he leaned back in his chair and put his cowboy boots up on the desk and said, Son, I, I don't think you want this job because it's very repetitive. It was preparing uh, records for microfilming, and I just really wanted to get my foot in the door. But he, he told me he wasn't going to hire me. So I applied for several other jobs, and <clears throat> one of them was uh, what's now the Talking Book Division at the State Library, uh, being a sh shipping and receiving clerk for recorded cassette tapes for uh, visually impaired people from the, these were tapes that was funded by the uh, federal government. So as I was going out the door to my night job one day, I heard my phone ring and <clears throat> I was like, damn, I ran back up the stairs and the HR director from Texas State Library said I could have this clerk job if I wanted it, and if I did, be there tomorrow or something. And I was like, wow. So I, I did, I showed up for it, and I figured I'd be there for a few months. <clears throat> um, I blew off my other job and went to the armadillo that night. Um, I think I was pretty hungover the next day when I went back to the state library. And, <clears throat> it was kind of a rough beginning, but I worked there for 37 years and was the photo archivist for about 30-something years. And, uh, How was it a rough beginning? Because you were hungover that day? <clears throat> it was a rough beginning because um, the, the people I was working with at that time were pretty much entry-level off the street. And my two co-workers were two women who had a very tight relationship and they didn't really want to have anything to do with me um, because I wasn't from Texas and I didn't smoke cigarettes and uh, that was in those days people smoked in their offices and smoked in the break room there was, I remember, there was a cigarette machine in the break room I remember that there was a woman that came in every morning at 7 o'clock and bought well she didn't necessarily buy cigarettes there but every morning she got a big red a Snickers bar and then she lit up a cigarette in the break room and that was her breakfast. Wow. So there was a little culture shock for me um, but eventually I got into uh, finagled my way into working for the archives division and worked for them like I said for 36 years. So. How did you finagle that? Um, they had, they had a lobby receptionist position that the archives was going to take over funding of, and instead of just being a receptionist, they were going to turn it into a um, regular docent, um, you know, ask a question about Texas history type thing. And I had never studied Texas history, <clears throat> but I had an interview on Monday, so I went to Half Price Books, which is then, um, you know, ramshackle building on Lavaca Street and I bought two um, official Texas uh, public school history books 
and I went hit, <coughs> went home and crammed those over the weekend. <coughs> went in for my uh, interview on Monday, and I I told the guy that I that I had never studied Texas history, but that I had crammed these two books, and he gave me a little oral quiz, and I apparently passed, and so I <coughs> became the lobby docent for a year, and then I got into the uh, <clears throat> kind of got into being an apprentice in the conservation lab and um, then took I took Dr. Grace's uh, class on archives and manuscripts and uh, just kind of kept pushing my pushing my way in there so mm. um, was there some particular aspect of archives that you wanted to work in I actually like the preservation aspect of it and I <clears throat> In the meantime, I was also, I guess one one thing that got some notice was that, of course, this was in the days of strictly um, film photography, and I had a darkroom in my apartment, and so I would go around at work and take pictures of my coworkers and stuff like that. So I got to be known as, you know, John the photo guy. So once I got into into archives and really. Um, I think I kind of impressed them in conservation because I would read all the technical literature and they started sending me to conferences and stuff and I had real that was when the the field of photo conservation was really just kind of starting to to be a kind of formal scientific discipline um, as opposed to more of a you know artisan type thing mm -hmm. so <clears throat> um, they had never had, they had never had an archivist or a photo specialist that was, they had never had anybody assigned specifically to the photography collection. They'd had, it was always kind of the poor stepchild and they would have students and entry level clerks kind of work on it, which was disastrous in some cases. <laughs> I don't doubt that. <laughs> With minimal supervision by very good archivists, but archivists that were not trained at all to be, you know, visual materials archivists. Mm -hmm. So um, they cre they created a position of, of photos archives photo specialist or something, and I did that for a year or so, and then uh, and then I took some courses at UT and started going to conferences, and then they finally made me the photo archivist, and I did that for thirty something years. So mm -hmm. not a traditional way that people today <laughs> uh, know. No agency would hire me today to be a photo archivist because I don't have those credentials. But um, as Roy Flukinger um, from HRC once said, he and I and <clears throat> a couple other people were on some panels and the students were kind of horrified at, at sort of our haphazard way of got it, getting into our professions. And he said, hey, you know, we're just dinosaurs. Just, you know, let it go. You know, I mean, it's, that was just the way it was, you know, so... Can you think of any um, photo collections in particular that you enjoyed working on? Um, or any that illuminated Austin for you? Well, there, yeah, that I mean, that's always stuck with me. There was uh, um, the Mabel Brooks collection. She, and I, uh, right now I can't remember what all her resume was, but I think she had been perhaps a librarian and had, and had worked at the State Archives, and she had collected hundreds of uh, 
both original and some copy images of uh, Austin. You know, pretty much down to 19th century images of Austin, and I really got interested in that. And <coughs> um, William Russell Young, who's a um, fairly noted photo historian, he I met him there, and, and he came and looked at the cased images, the daguerreotypes and um, ambrotypes and tintypes that we had. And I just got a world of information from him. He's one of the people that really kind of sparked my uh, lifelong passion for uh, early photography. And uh, he and I, you know, collaborated for years and, and kept in touch and stuff like that. And he put me in touch with a I have learned, <coughs> I have learned way more from the researchers that came there than in most cases than, than, than what I, you know, would tell, could tell them. I mean, uh, <clears throat> I've contributed to uh, a couple books on Texas photo history, and <clears throat> I basically, most of what I learned there was from extensive uh, discussions with uh, photo historians. You know, hmm. So, Can you think of any in particular that come to mind or that you learned a lot from? <clears throat> that I learned a lot from? Well, William Russell Young and... Um, Lawrence, Lawrence T. Jones III, who has a spectacular book, one of the most definitive books out on uh, Texas photographic history, and then also David Haynes from San Antonio, who introduced me to the first, uh, it's called the Texas Album of the Eighth Legislature, and it's actually the first um, systematic photographing of Texas uh, office holders which was in 1860, and oh, wow. um, just at the brink, just before uh, secession and the Civil War, and <clears throat> this is fascinating. He got me really interested in this uh, artifact book collection, whatever you want to call it. It's really, uh, it's a, the books are handmade, they're original, uh, well, we think that they're uh, unvarnished albumin prints, but they're hand glued into a pre-printed book, and there's only uh, four known copies, I think, four or five known copies in public institutions, and one day when I was on reference, um, a really nice lady, very sophisticated lady, she was a, a rancher, she brought this book and she said, well, I'm in Austin. I'm trying to, you know, get my affairs and things in order. I found this book in one of the houses on my ranch. She goes, I've looked at it really carefully. It doesn't have any connection to my family, but I, I think it's valuable. And it was, it was an original copy of the Texas Album of the Eighth Legislature. Um, oh, wow. There's, <clears throat> there's one copy at Berkeley. Uh, Center for American History is supposed to have two copies, and then we have this one. There might be one at Yale, I can't remember, um, but that was one of the best days of my life. When <laughs> I can imagine. And that's, that's a, a subject that David and I continue, I mean, there's so many mysteries, like exactly, I mean, we know who one of the photographers was, but we don't know anything about the other guy that's, that's one of the authors or editors. And, so that's that may be a lifelong uh, 
pursuit to try to get some other information about about how this was done and you know well we're at time so that's a good place to wrap up good. Um, thank you so much for talking well, to us thank today. you thanks for prompting me yeah sure